Amen. Good morning. Welcome to spring. Amen. <laughs> you know you've entered spring when you, do, you didn't have a good sleep because you've lost an hour. And I hope you're all ready. About two weeks ago, I read about some people who are making a petition that daylight saving time should be cancelled. And they've given so many reasons. I'm like, you people, you've not, you've not read in the scriptures that say that that is crooked, cannot be made straight. You, read it, you won't even bother doing these things. And they are looking for signatures. Uh, well, I wonder, good luck to them. I don't know if that can be changed anyway. But well, we are glad to be in church. Bless God for this Sunday morning. And all too soon, we are coming to the end of our series. We are wrapping up uh, a preview of grace in the Old Testament from Jonah. Amen. I want to believe that you have had uh, some insights in the book of Jonah. Amen. I tell you, when we go to heaven, some people will be madly irritated because we didn't read their books. And uh, I'm sure Jonah is one of them. Amen. And someone mission introduced himself and said, Hello, my name is Nehum. Did you read my book? What are you going to say? Amen. Heaven will be full of surprises and mild irritation. You can't get full blown ang- angry because uh, anger is not permitted. I'm sure irritation, mild ones are allowed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. Thank you that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the past three weeks, we have been um, looking at this series on the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is basically about uh, a message, God's message of love, repentance to a Gentile nation. The, the, the book of Jonah is not really about Jonah, even though he has his name as the title of the book. The book of Jonah is really about God's message of love to a Gentile nation who displayed acts of repentance and God turned his impending judgment that he was going to bring upon them. But the character, the main feature who was supposed to be the herald of the gospel uh, was Jonah. Amen. So in part one, we really saw the average believer's response. We are all like Jonah. The average believer's response to go and preach the gospel is a very lukewarm reception. It's so funny that many Christians, we, we don't enjoy preaching the gospel. If like, let's do a test drive. Let, let's go for witnessing. Let's fix the dates. How many of you will show up? It's a Jonah syndrome. It's a Jonah response. I don't blame Jonah. Uh, many of us don't like preaching. We don't like sharing the word of God with people so that they will come to know Christ. So Jonah here depicts all of us in part one and we learned that. Then secondly, God didn't tell him to just go and preach. He said, go and preach to your enemy. That's a tough one. Many of us have very preconceived ideas of how our enemies should be treated. Some of us want our enemies to die. Some of us want our enemies to live long so that they will see that God has blessed us and prospered us, so that it will hurt them the more. Yeah, all of us have different funny ideas of how we want our enemies to live or suffer. 
But can I tell you something? God is not interested in any of your preconceived ideas or notions that you have concerning someone. I always say this, the person that you hate, God is madly in love with that person. And don't be surprised if God tells you, go and give this person my love letter, which is the gospel. For God so loved the world. That is God's love letter, the gospel. And, and we learned about that. It caused Jonah to run away and he ended up being in the belly of the will, which led us to part two. In part two, we really talked about the heart of God. And we've established from the series that God's heart is a heart of grace, a heart of love, and a heart of mercy. A ship full of Phoenicians were not killed. They didn't even know God. They were not killed. It's just because of God's grace. They didn't warrant God's deliverance, but God granted them mercy. Jonah, who was disobedient, running away from his assignment and his mission, was spared by God. All right. When we read the vivid de- depiction of how Jonah described his situation in the belly of the whale, it is possible he could have died. But God's grace resurrected him. Do you think Jonah warranted God's deliverance? No, not necessarily. He was walking in disobedience. But God's heart, love, and grace that he has for mankind, that we will all be part of the gospel, it's a reason why God spoke to the fish or the whale, vomit out Jonah. In part three, we now see Jonah, who is now the vomiting prophet. He's being vomited out. Jonah knows what it's like to be in an uncomfortable situation. And sometimes, many believers, we can find ourselves in uncomfortable situations, not because we are under demonic attack or under spiritual warfare. But sometimes it could be you may have abandoned your assignments or you are working in disobedience towards God. And when that happens, you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And when you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, it's God's way of drawing your attention to pick up your task. Now in part three, here is Jonah who came out of an uncomfortable situation and he carried the word of God with urgency. I pray that may we carry the word of God with urgency. A journey that took three days. We read it last week. Jonah did it in one day. Spoke about the urgency that he had, that he wanted to go and preach the word of God. And let me tell you, this year, if you decide to minister the word of God, you will find Ninevites. And when I'm talking about Ninevites, I'm talking about the posture of Ninevites. Some will listen and be encouraged by the some who will listen. Be motivated by the some who will listen. That's why we have to take the gospel. Okay? Some will not listen, but some will listen. There are some Ninevites among us who are hungry. There are some Ninevites among us who are starving for deliverance. There are some Ninevites among us who want peace. There are some Ninevites among us who feel condemned day after day, week after week, month after month. And they need to hear this gospel which the Bible calls the good news of peace. This gospel, which is also called the message of reconciliation. They need to hear this message so that they will be reconciled together with God so that one day they will not face what is called the wrath of God. Chapter 3, we see something. God is gracious, but God also has wrath. And that is something that we cannot do away with. You, don't, you, you have to present God in a very balanced, in a very biblical picture. He is a God of grace, 
but he's also a God of wrath that will visit his wrath upon sin and will punish disobedience and will punish sinners. So let's not forget that. That message needs to run across. Jonah gave that message and the Bible lets us know that the king of Nineveh and the entire inhabitants of Nineveh, they decided to go on a fast and, and they, they, they wore sackcloth and satin ashes which was a posture of repentance. They accompanied and, and they prayed to the Lord. And the Bible lets us know that the evil or the judgment that God had decided to visit upon Nineveh because of their wickedness, God relented and he didn't visit them with wrath, which is a great testimony. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God will always listen to your prayers. God answers prayers. And God has his outstretched hands. Why? Because he wants all of us to experience which once upon a time was called the mystery of the gospel. It's no longer the mystery of the gospel because now we know. And what is it? That we will all be one. We will all be united as one. There will be no Jew. There will be no Greek. There will be no believer. There will be no unbeliever. All of us will be one in Christ and we will become one commonwealth and we will inherit the promise which is in Christ Jesus. And that is the gospel. Amen. So now, let's look at part four. And I want to subtitle this, A Religious Response. Amen. So Jonah chapter four, I read. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned, the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plants that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plants? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. 
And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and match their livestock? I don't know if you have this Bible with the themes at the, at the head of, of your chapter, but mine says Jonah's anger and God's kindness. I don't know what you'll say, but from this scripture, you really see a comparison or a contrast between grace and religion. Now, Jonah had preached the message. The people had repented. And God relented from doing them evil. We read that in chapter 3. So, perhaps the wish of Jonah that Nineveh will be destroyed didn't come to fruition. Now, this makes me see how God's grace abounds. And how does God's grace abound? It abounds even towards people we might not even be on good terms with. Jonah had gone and preached the word of God. But secretly, Jonah was wishing that the people would be destroyed. Jonah was wishing that these people who didn't know God, who had no affiliation with God, who may have never even had the slightest inkling of who God was, will be destroyed. And today we have a bunch of Christians who are secretly wishing their enemies evil or harm. Knowing that they are growing stronger and stronger. Uh, quit it. It's not going to work. God is also going to bless them. <laughs> they are going to prosper. They are going to do well. And within a matter of time, they will also come to the saving knowledge of grace. And then one day, all of you will go to heaven together. Uh, quit, quit, quit. Planning that, your little plan. It won't work. Jonah was very frustrated. Jonah would have been so happy to have seen the destruction, the doom, and the judgment of God upon Nineveh. And Nineveh was an idolatrous city. Aside that they were enemies of Israel. So there is history there. I can understand why Jonah will want to wish them ill and will want to wish evil and harm against them. For the years of evil and harm that the Ninevites had also brought upon Jonah and his fellow Jews or countrymen. I can understand that. But this is where you have to understand God. God is not a tit for tat God. And God, you can't cancel him on how he will deal with your enemies. And that's why he said, vengeance is mine, serve the Lord. God, God when, it come, when, when it comes to how God wants to deal with your enemies, there is no amount of prayer that you can pray that will make God move. So please, God, God is God. When it comes to some place, I think we have to really understand the sovereignty of God. Sometimes the sovereignty of God has been a topic where we have stretched it so far, but the fact that it has been stretched so far doesn't mean there is an element of truth in it. There is an element of truth in it. You have to submit yourself, if you are a Christian today, to God's sovereignty. You can't cancel God. 
You can't tell God how he should deal with your enemy because he gets on your nerves or because he has offended you. You can't do that. You can't order God. God is not your, your servant. And God is not your butler. And God is also not your vendor. He's not, he's not the one that you can slot coins into and then you will get the drink of your choice or the snack of your choice. In this case, Jonah wanted the hard desire of his choice, but he was frustrated. God didn't destroy Nineveh. And the Ninevites repented. And that was good news. But it wasn't good news to Jonah. And now, Jonah now explained the reason why he didn't want to go and preach the gospel. And when you read verse 2, he said that, I know you are gracious and a merciful God. You see, so even though Jonah was living under the dispensation of the law, some way, somehow, he understood the character and the heart of God. He said, you are a gracious and a merciful God. You are slow to anger. You are bound in loving kindness. And you relent from doing evil. Now, Lord, if you will not destroy the Ninevites, take my life. Take my life. I'm worth dying. And sometimes, that is Christians. Christians are the only group of people that like to pray for soul winning. Lord, we pray for souls. We are praying. We believe that we will win the earth for the Lord. And then when certain people come to the Lord, you start to question that Lord, why him? Don't you believe your prayers? Sometimes we are like the church in Acts chapter 12. When you read Acts chapter 12, the Bible lets us know that Peter was under attack by Herod and he was put in jail. And when he was put in jail, it was a miracle that he got out of jail because he was supposed to die. In fact, if you read the Bible in Acts chapter 12, it says that the very next day he would have been killed. But by a miraculous intervention, Peter got set free because an angel came to take off the shackles of Peter and broke the prison doors and then opened the gate of the city for Peter to get out. And there is something interesting in the latter, latter verses of chapter 12. The Bible lets us know that this church was busily praying. Meanwhile, Peter had gotten out. And then whilst Peter was knocking the door, it was just a little girl that had. And when the little girl said this could be Peter, they didn't believe Peter. They didn't believe the little girl. Sorry. You see, these people were praying, believing God, for the deliverance, for the freedom of Peter. Yet when the little girl came to tell them that it must be Peter knocking, these people didn't believe it. And that's how sometimes the church is like, we, that's a mirror image of the church. We pray, believing God that, let the world be saved. We pray, believing God that, let salvation abound. We pray, believing God that, let your name be made known. And then when some people who we don't like, who we don't expect to give their lives to Jesus Christ, we have a problem. Even I've seen even how sometimes we even treat some of these quote-unquote celebrities of the world who come into the Christian faith. 
And yet we will be praying that, Lord, we want souls. So we have to really make up our mind. Do we really want souls or we don't want souls? Jonah, in a betwixt here, he hurried up to go and preach the gospel. But his mission, his plans and his hard desire he had concerning his enemies were frustrated. And it really highlighted to us a religious problem that Jonah had. And I tell you, if you and I will want to be of service, will want to be of use to God, especially this year, we have to kill religion. And one of the ways that we will know that you are religious is what is or are the desires you have upon your enemy. It will show whether you are religious or not. One of the most difficult things to do in Christianity is to love the unlovely. One of the most difficult things to do in Christianity is to forgive the unforgivable. And Jesus said, by love, they will know. The world, they will know that you are my disciples. Sometimes it's not by how many scriptures you know, how much prayer you pray, uh, uh, your, your, your language. You could be speaking Christianese. You know, the Chinese speak Chinese, English speak English, Christians speak Christianese. It doesn't matter how much Bible quotations you might even quote, but you can do all this and then you harbor in you hatred. What is the essence? You are religious. You haven't yet understood the gospel. And for me, when I read these whole chapters, my personal conclusion is that God had to bring Jonah to the end of himself to better him. So even though it was also about I'm sending a message to a Gentile nation, it was also about the messenger who was carrying the message. He wanted him to come to an end of himself that you are not better than the Ninevites. You are not better. Yes, you are a Jew. You might be a seed of Abraham. You might have received the law. You might be a part of the commonwealth of Israel, but you and the Gentile who is an Ninevite, who is better? You are not better. You have more hatred in your heart. Jesus even said it. He said, you don't even have to kill somebody. If you hate somebody, you are a murderer. So you and the Ninevites, you're on the same score. Even though you are a prophet and I'm speaking to you, you are just as bad as the Ninevites. And sometimes as messengers of God's word, God will sometimes shine the light of us for us to come to the end of ourselves so that we can experience reformation and we can experience what it means to have true Christian growth. True Christian growth. So God is going to shine the light on you. And I'm sure that perhaps he might have started shining it on some of us now. Are we better? Why can't you be happy for someone who has received the gospel? Why can't you be happy for someone who did not receive the judgment of God? You see, for Jonah's plea and Jonah's glee was, I want them to experience the judgment of God. Because the the word that the Lord gave to Jonah, if if you don't repent after 40 days, the city of Nineveh will be overthrown. 
I'm sure Jonah was really looking forward to it. He had a bird's eye view. It's like, I want to go and sit somewhere and then watch this and, and it will be nice. I'll be so happy to see the city of Nineveh being overthrown. And Jonah knows his Bible. I'm sure he will be like, wow, it is going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm, I'm yet to see this live. This one, I, 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 I will see it live and I'll write it in my book. But Jonah was disappointed. Fire and brimstone didn't rain down on Nineveh like it rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe he was expecting Nineveh to be washed with water, like during in the days of Noah, where the Lord washed the earth with water for 40 days and 40 nights. None of those things happened. But rather, God's grace was extended. His heart of love was extended that these people who are sworn enemies of God can also claim God as their God and more importantly, see him as their father. Jonah had a problem with it. He had a problem with it that he got so angry that the Lord asked him, why are you angry? Why are you angry? I mean, if your anger can get the attention of the Lord, that is some sort of anger. And there's a whole prophet, a member of a church. And today, the message that God wants to give to us is relax all your hard stances and all your desires that you want to see upon your enemies. Because let me tell you, we have enemies. Sometimes people like to spiritualize things and say, oh, Christian, you don't have enemy. Your enemy is the devil. It's correct, but you have enemies. Because Jesus once said that if you have an enemy, pray for him. If you have an enemy, do good to him. Was he talking about spiritual people? No, he's talking about flesh and blood. You can have people who are your enemies, but we should operate like Jesus and go all the way in doing good. Amen? So, Jonah's plans were frustrated. And then there was something very interesting. God wanted to show Jonah something. He made a plant because those days, it was very tropical and the plant gave Jonah shade from the sun. And then God decided to let the plant die. And how did the plant die? It died by God preparing a worm to eat it. And then the Bible lets us know that the next day there was a vehement east wind and there was sun, real hot sun, that beat upon Jonah's head that he grew faint. And when he woke up, he said, Lord, it's better for me to die than to live. And then God said to Jonah, why are you angry about the plants? You see, you think about the welfare of the plants, but you refuse to think of people I have created in my image. Don't forget that. They are your enemies and they took you into captivity, but they are also my creation. I created them. So you can think of plants, but you can't think of people. And that's one thing about religious leaders and religious people. When you read Luke chapter 13, a very interesting story is there. There was a woman who was bent over, spent all her money. She saw Jesus. She became straight. The, the Pharisees and the religious leaders wanted to take Jesus to town. 
Why did you heal this woman on a Sabbath? And Jesus said, hypocrites. You lose your donkeys out of your stores to go and water them. And this woman, who is a daughter of Abraham, ought she not to be healed? And that was Jesus. And Jesus highlighted something strong there about their religiosity. About how they will care for things than the welfare of human beings. And that's what you see in this story here. Jonah cared about things and the welfare of people. This year, if you want to be a soul winner, I ask you, do you care for things or you care for the welfare of people? Let me tell you, it's only people who care for the welfare of people that will send the gospel. It's as simple as that. By the end of this year, someone will have a soul because he or she cared about the welfare of a person. And that was highlighted. Jonah, who was a prophet, didn't care about a soul, but he rather cared about things. He is rather angry that a plant is destroyed. Yet he is disappointed that a fellow human being like him has come to the saving knowledge of Christ that he will not be subject to God's eternal judgment. Jonah had a problem with it. And today we also have a problem with it. Because the implications of everything that we are doing shows that we care more about things than ministering the gospel to someone to get saved, someone to get delivered, someone to get saved from the wrath of God, someone to get saved from the eternal judgment of God. Look at all the messages that Pastor Robert has preached on the book of Revelation. The only thing is for us to just know and be awarded and be like, wow, all these things are going to be happening on the last days. He is preaching this message so that we will have a heart, a passion, and some conviction in our tone to preach to the nearest neighbor, the nearest friend, the nearest relative, warning them of the impending judgment of God that is to come. It's not just for us to know and to be awarded. And take his time to break down the seven seals and, and all these things and, and whatever. It's not, it's not just for us to know and for it to be head knowledge. It's for us to know and to have that agency. Like the agency that Jonah displayed in chapter 3. It's for us to have that agency so that we will take the message. That look, God is gracious, but God also has wrath. But if you make up your mind and serve him, and decide to follow him, you will be saved from the wrath of God. Because on the other side of the wrath of God, there is grace. That, that's to us is the whole picture of Revelation. And not for us to wish people evil. I know some people may have hurt you. I know you can't stand some, stand some people. But today, God will want you to pray for them that they will be saved. If they are not saved, that they will be saved. And even if they are also saved, God should continue to bless them. And now God will continue to make them sick and they should die and their business should collapse. And what about you? 
You are also here. Do you know that you are also someone's enemy? Do you know that God has also frustrated someone's prayers against you? So why shouldn't he frustrate yours against somebody? Grace. May God deliver us from religiosity. Jesus said something in John chapter 13. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. Shows in love. When I'm talking about loving, I'm not talking about the people who are easy to love. That's very easy. Like sometimes I see some parents, the way they say they love their kids, it really makes me laugh. I say, oh, that's very easy. Oh, I love my daughter. Straight A student. I love my daughter. She went to an Ivy League school. I love my daughter. She never gave me heartache. I love my daughter. She's never been naughty before. I love my daughter. She never went for boys. I love my daughter. She was, she was a virgin until she got married. I love my daughter. She's giving me grandkids. Oh, man, that's so easy. <laughs> that's so easy. But what I want, the one that frustrated you, the one that got pregnant out of wedlock, the one that disappointed you, that didn't even finish school and dropped out, and promised you that I will go to school again, and then she dropped out. What about that one? The one who has even become confused about her sexuality? The one who has just decided that I'm not going to marry, but I'm going to go after men and, and after whatever, and then do drugs? What about that one? Now, if you can tell me you love that one, then yeah. I know we now understand love. The how we understand love is very easy. It's chocolate love. Very easy. We are talking about loving someone when it is difficult. That is real love. And that is what Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 13. That by this, they will know you are my disciples. So today, if there is one prayer that you have to pray, pray that you will be able to love the unlovely and that you will be able to forgive the unforgivable. Because I believe strongly that if we don't come to a place where we have an expansive and an elastic heart, we can't do much for God. I tell you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you know what it took for Apostle Paul to plant a church in Corinth? He had to stand a lot of nonsense. Today we read the book of Corinthians. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You would think those people were saints. Paul had to stand a lot of nonsense. If some of us were sent to go and plant churches there, we would be filled missionaries. Because Corinth was no easy place to plant a church. But one day, Apostle Paul gave the secrets. He said, our hearts are wide open. That's the secret. You see, the secret was not Paul was oratorial. The secret was not because Paul could do some miracles, which he could do. And the secret was not because Paul could write, because he was a very good writer. But he had an expansive and an enlarged heart to receive all the nonsense, all the foolishness, all the carnality of the Corinthian Christians. And that was what prompted him to plant a church there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I want to do things for God, we have to expand our hearts. 
I'm seeing my notes. I wrote it. They will be quiet. That, that's why you are quiet. I'm a prophet. They will be quiet. God has to open our hearts. Because if our hearts are not open, if our hearts are not expansive, we can't do much for the kingdom of God. Therefore, today I want you to do something. Pray for your enemy. Bless your enemy. Pray that may they know the gospel. So I just want you to pray. Anybody that has offended you from last year, last two years, last three years, or even this year, anybody that has offended you, anybody that you have a grudge against, I just want you to pray and release that person. And pray the blessing of the gospel upon that person, especially if he doesn't even know Christ. Pray that he or she will know Christ. And don't be surprised if God will come down your alley and say, go and show him what the love of God is. Are we going to make ourselves instruments for God? Give me an emoji and a sign. Because if it's only two people, it's only two of us that will pray. Only two of us. Are we? So I have only one person out of all of us. So the one person should join me. And let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We make ourselves instruments of God's love. We'll send your message, O Lord. We will not frustrate the grace of God that we have received. Oh, thank you, Lord. We will not be religious to the point that we will just care of things and materials than the souls of men. Lord, have mercy on our wicked hearts, O Lord. Regenerate us this morning, O Lord. May we be people of love, O Lord. Help us to love the unlovely. Help us to forgive the unforgivable. Give us a large and an expansive heart, O Lord, that we will be able to accommodate the insimilarly impossible things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that we will run with your message. We will preach your message of grace, your message of love that is accepting to all. Oh, thank you, O Lord. We have not come to add to the prejudices that already exist. But we have come, O Lord, that we will be different and we will set a mark that cannot be erased. And that mark is a mark of love. Father, we choose not to wish our enemies evil. We bind that spirit of religiosity in the name of Jesus. We will not be people who attend church but secretly wish evil on our enemies. We will not be people who profess to be Christians, yet we are murderous because we hate people in our hearts. Oh, Father, help us to release every pain, every grudge, every offense. May it go. And that if they even come back, Lord, give us the strength and the eternal fortitude to say you are forgiven and we will show you the love of God. Father, make us pictures of your love. Make us instruments of your grace. Just as you are bound in loving kindness, may we also abound with loving kindness. 
Or may we not people who preach the gospel of revenge and vengeance, but may we replace it with the gospel of grace. Thank you that even as you've shown Jonah the end of himself, you're also showing us the end of ourselves. And we say, are we any better than Jonah? We humble ourselves, O oh Lord, before your throne of grace and at the foot of your cross. We ask for your forming. Form us, O oh Lord, for once you are on this earth, you gave your commandment that we should be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And how will we be perfect? We will be perfect by how we love and how we treat people that are especially against us. Oh Lord, form us into the character. Mold us into your image that we will become exact replicates of you, O oh Lord. Father, we choose to serve you. We choose to be like you. We let go of every offense. We let go of every ill will, malice that we will have towards our enemies. We release it and we let it go. And we say, let love lead the way. Thank you, O oh Lord. From today, we choose to especially rejoice in the outcome of our enemies. And that is, it's good, not evil, but it's good. We will not be jealous. Let jealousy leave us because that is not Christ-like maturity and character. Thank you for forming us and molding us. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. We come before you with humility and submission and we say, form us into your image. Thank you, Lord, for answer prayers. We are touched. This is what we call a miracle. We give you praise that we are forming into your image. Amen. Offering time, I hand over to the MC.